Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's very hard in a time of social media not to get hung up on other people, but no one can be as beautiful as you can when you're just being your true self and you can enhance yourself as much as you like and polish and embellish and bring out all your good things. And that is, that is the, you know, that is the most beautiful thing that you can ever be. And I think that that's the best advice. Hi Kirby. Hi Sarah. Welcome Welcome to to Los Angeles. Angeles. Woo! Last episode of the year, y'all. We're taking a hiatus for two weeks. We need to like collect ourselves, get some things in order for a big 2021. We need to cast some spells, sage our homes. Like we need to get rid of all things 2020 mm-hmm. once this year ends. And I feel like that's definitely going to take two plus weeks. So <laughs> <laughs> agreed. I feel like I'm just going to embrace embrace this little hiatus like I'm back in college taking my you know month off three weeks off from school how nice was that god we took that for granted if you're still in college and you get well a lot of you are still you know distant learning distance learning but when you have like a fall break or your winter break remember going back home and having the parties with your high school friends yes and like yeah running into like people you didn't want to run into but then also secretly wanted to run into hoping that you would run into that person at a party just so you could be like yeah my life is fabulous now because i'm not in this dumb town anymore (laughs) yeah (laughs) that was like more so for you for sure I mean, I I moved three hours away to go to college, so it wasn't like I left oh, the state. Oh, okay, so then it was the same. I was thinking you were talking about like once you, okay, I guess you moved to L.A. after college. I but did. But like going to visit Texas when you moved to L.A. and became all famous, I'm sure that you were at some parties and you wanted to see some of those bitches who were mean to you in high school. Wait, have you been speaking to my mother? Because she, my mother tells everyone that I'm famous and... Janet is disillusioned and it's really funny. Where's where's the lie? You and Janet need to just have a little fan club for the two of you delusional people. It's so funny though. Like we are not delusional and we are part of a larger fan club. Well, here's the deal. I think about I think about like the ideal Christmas movie and I'm like I need I want to write a Christmas movie where it's like you go back to your hometown there's some romance there's some fun stuff with people you do and don't want to see like I just have this vision of this one time I went back to my hometown after I had left for college or maybe I'd been at college for a while I went to the my local Starbucks that I always used to go to and there was a girl from high school there working and she literally looked at my ring finger and was like, oh, I see you're not married. And then she held up her hand and was like, I am. And I was like, are you trying to shame me for not being married right now? This is so rude. It was so rude. Oh, my gosh. That like that is straight out of a movie, first of all. I, I wish I made it up. I truly and wish I did. I think what you're also explaining is Sweet Home Alabama as a Christmas movie. <laughs> Reese. 
you are available. We're available for Hello Sunshine Productions. (laughs) Sarah and I will write it. We'll write the Christmas version of Sweet Home Alabama. I would watch it. I would watch it too. I love that movie. But I can't believe we made it. And what better way to end than with this incredible guest who unfortunately I was not able to sit in on this interview, but I am really excited to listen to it because I haven't listened to it yet. This is straight from the requests of our Glam Jolinos. Yes, Lisa Eldridge, the Lisa Eldridge, queen of YouTube, queen of great makeup, queen of everything. She is our guest. She's going to talk about her vintage makeup collection, which if you are a makeup nerd like me, you're going to totally geek out over. I highly recommend going to her website or her YouTube channel and watching her videos on these pieces she's collected over the years because they're all so fascinating and she'll get into a few of them on the pod on the in the interview we're answering a few general beauty questions that you guys have had that we wanted to make sure that she covered um we talked a lot about product formulation Mm. and what people would be surprised to learn about creating a beauty brand because lisa has been working with brands for years some of them people are familiar with like she you know works with Lancome a lot but she does a lot of things behind the scenes that she never promotes or talks about and she said that she's obsessed with product formulation and if she could go back she would want to be like a cosmetic scientist um just because there's more creativity there so it's a really fun interview and y'all are gonna hear me gush when we first get in because Lisa is part of the reason why I even figured out how to do my makeup when I was first getting started so felt very so cute yeah she's an an amazing her voice is just right the British voice I want her just to talk she's fabulous we should have a tag on our website specifically for for guests who have access (laughs) in case it's like an ASMR type of therapy for you where you just listen to uh kate lee or a, a georgia louise oh my gosh yeah emma guns emma guns even zoe oh yeah foster blake all all great all all great on the ears sharon shooter has a fabulous accent so yes we are so excited for you guys to listen to this interview with lisa just a reminder we picked the winners of our sephora slash ulta gift card giveaway for you and your beauty bestie those are on our instagram page so make sure that you're following us there and we will be back with our first guest in the new year In the meantime, you guys know where to find us. All of our episodes are available on our website in addition to links to all the products that we talk about. So glossangelespod.com. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at glossangelespod and join our Facebook group. I have a feeling because of the holidays, the Facebook group is going to get a lot of traction. There's going to be a lot of questions about new products and devices and all that good stuff. Happy holidays, everyone. Be safe. We're sending you all so much love. And we cannot wait for another incredible year together. Lisa Eldridge, my lady, she's here. I cannot believe it. If you've been following me for a while, you know I'm a huge fan of Lisa's and I kind of just you know, gushed to her right before we got on, but she's really changed the way that I've done my makeup over the course of my life. And I feel has enhanced 
you know, the beauty that I have within me. And I feel like she does that for so many of you as well. So we felt, A, she's a fan favorite. She's been requested so many times. We might as well try to get her on. And she's here. So Lisa Eldridge, thank you so much for joining us on Gloss Angeles. Oh, thank you, Kirby. And thank you for such a lovely introduction. First, your makeup looks amazing. So if I had any part of that, then I, even just a tiny bit, then I'm honored uh, because you look gorgeous. And um, thank you so much for such a kind introduction. I'm just going to take that soundbite right there, Lisa, and save it on my phone and just replay it <laughs> over and over. You definitely had something to do with it. One of my favorite videos you've ever done, there's so many videos I could go into, but one of my favorites that you've ever done was teaching people how to have happy lips, a happy smile when you apply lipstick, because I think that's something that so, so many men and women deal with. Like, you see these models or you see these celebrities on the red carpet. You see this bold lip. You want to give it a try because why not? It's makeup. It's fun. It's artistic. Yeah. But then when you get it on, you're like, did it did not work for me because I'm just not – I don't have the star <laughs> power? Like, what's happening here? And then you realize it really is – it's almost – it's like architecture. It's like figuring out the lines and the shape of your face and mm. – and camouflaging things to make it appear different. And I think that's like why makeup artists are magicians, you know? Yeah, there is a little bit of magic sometimes involved when you're just doing those little tiny things that almost don't seem like anything. And then you'll look at yourself before in a picture and be like, wow, that made such a difference. You know, the, the, the tiniest thing can make the biggest difference. And I think with lipstick, I just was always hearing people say to me, I love red lipstick or I love bright lipstick or, but I can't wear it. And I'd be like, oh, why? And they'd say, well, my mouth goes down or, oh, if I put red lipstick on, my mouth looks too small or it looks too this or it looks too lopsided. And I'd be like, well, why don't you just change it? Like, just draw it on the way you want it to be. Make it exactly as you want it. And they're like, really? <laughs> exactly. It's, it's funny how we feel like there are these standards in beauty that you're only allowed to do certain things and then when somebody says oh but wait you can actually change them you're kind of like really I I'm allowed to I'm allowed to change how I apply my lipstick I don't have to do it the standard way <laughs> I wanted to start off this episode we have a segment called what's on your face is there one product or even two that you're loving right now that you have on I can see you have a beautiful face on because it's five five o'clock over there so yeah, it's five o'clock and it was funny because the previous podcast thing that I did, I thought it was just going to be sound and then she turns out she was filming it. So I had to really just shove this face on like fast. <laughs> so I was like, hold on a minute. I'll call you back in 10 minutes. Um, so yeah, so I went very fast with my face um, with an eyelash curl and mascara lipstick and some blush that i'm afraid that's it a little bit on the eyes but not too much because um it was a it was a case of having to be super fast lisa do you have a favorite eyelash curler yeah i mean i've still got my um i still do use the shiomura one but i will use any japanese one so i'll use the kevin o'kwan or the syrup beauty if they're from the the factories or the, the places that i like in japan where they make them so beautifully and there's this such a high standard and the shape though is very very good for getting all of the lashes in then i'll use any good japanese made one so i did use the shimura one today and then your beautiful lipstick 
Is it, I, I'm, it's a lipstick or a lip liner? What do you have on your lips? I've used uh, Muse lip liner and Muse velvet lipstick today. It's so and, beautiful. Yeah, so this is more like a sort of rosewoody, pinky, warm pinkish browny color. So it's one of those colors that if I just needed to look quite pulled together quite quickly, then it would be quite an easy one. So I have on Myth. Oh, wow. Yeah, gorgeous. You know what's so funny is when you look at Myth, and, and y'all, this is this is Lisa's line, obviously. When you look at it in the in the packaging, it looks so much darker that I was a little bit intimidated, to be completely honest. And Jess, your publicist, was like, yeah. oh, Lisa's going to pick out some shades to send you so you can try. And naturally, I'm a very um, – I love more of like the neutral, like pinky tones. But this morning I was like – I'm just going to do it. And and so last night I actually like took it out and started playing with it. And I was like, oh, it it blends so beautifully. It's not as opaque, obviously, because it's more of a gloss. It's quite a vibrant pinky berry. So it's quite nice for this time of year. It looks gorgeous on you. It's, and it's the holidays, so we can have a bit more color on our lips. We can have fun with it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I think like... Usually we start off and we're like, how have you been holding up this year? But listen, it's been a year. Things have been crazy. <laughs> I would love to know, like, what's made you excited about makeup this year? Like, what has made your job more exciting, especially since we haven't really been able to, you know, live our normal lives? Um, well, I think that during the lockdown, the first one, it was so tough because I'm so used to touching people's faces and putting makeup on. So I was quite frustrated not being able to actually do my job at all but I think that you know there is a lot of creativity that comes out of that so whether it's been more devising sort of products at home and working on that side of things or doing things like zooms and being able to show people makeup and how to do their makeup or you know I've done a few sort of PR things and even my you know, my, my lipstick launch ended up being on Zoom because, of course, we couldn't do a press show and all. And that ended up being quite fun. So things that you probably never thought you would do or you'd think wouldn't be very interesting, it turned out to be um, pretty interesting. I know. We've learned. We've learned now. Like, oh, hey, we can get just as much done via Zoom. We don't have to be all together. Although I'm a people person, so I do love being around other people. N not saying that, but we can get a lot more done than we we suspected initially. So the Zoom the Zoom lifestyle of 2020, I think, will continue to live on. Okay, so this I, I want you to think back to January 2020. Do you remember the first job that you had this year? And do you know what will be your last? Have you already had your last job of the year? No, my last job. Um, so my first job of the year, I think, was with Dua Lipa. Um, I think it was with her and it was my, my first job after lockdown was with her. It was a video and it was so nice to kind of be on set again, like after being at home for four months and then to be on set with her doing her makeup for, um, for, for her video was just incredible. Yeah. My first job of the year, I forget what it was, but it was definitely with Dua. It may have been for her, one of the single covers or something. Yeah. She's had an amazing year too. So yeah, she has, she's well deserved. She's such a lovely, amazing person and so talented. You're, you haven't had your last job yet. So are you're like working up to the holidays? 
Yeah, I've got a cover shoot on Monday. Um, and then, hold on, I think, feel like I've got more stuff next week. Oh, I'm doing like some filming stuff next week. So I'm, I'm working until Friday. Yeah, I'm working Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then I'm done. Okay, well, it's going to be a well-deserved break. <laughs> it's good. I'm happy to be back working again. For those people who, you know, don't know anything about working on set, how has your job really had to change since, um, you know, lockdown and the pandemic and getting back to work? You know what? I think when we wear masks and PPE on set, of course we have to do it. But if you're working with a new team, like I've done a few jobs this year with new, you know, photographers that I hadn't worked with before and teams that I haven't worked before. And really everything is about connecting and smiling and smiling with your face and your eyes and all of that. So it's been really tough because you're not able to make those connections. And in fact, one photographer that I did a shoot with, um, I did a big uh, Vogue shoot with her. And I said, you know what, if you're around, let's go for a walk in the park because she lives near me. I said, let's go for a walk because it'd be really nice to meet you. Like you can walk two meters away without a mask on because we kind of didn't like, she seemed so lovely and I want to work with her again. And we did, we met up like a few weeks after the shoot. And then it was so nice. Cause I was like, ah, oh, that's your face. And now I can see you smiling and you can get more of a sense of a person. Like it's a totally different vibe when you, when your face isn't covered over. So I do miss that. I really miss that connection of smiling at somebody and then being able to see that you're smiling at them. I totally agree. I work a lot on camera and one thing I think that has helped me be a better audience member and participant is, you know, being on stage and looking out into the audience and seeing people's faces because a lot of time people don't realize that they just have their like very stoic and they're thinking, right? Like they're not they're not thinking like, oh, I should be nodding my head to give affirmation and I should smile to yeah. make the presenter. You're in the zone, you're in the zone, so you're not really able to that and it's also subtle that body language and it's so difficult when your face is covered over so one of my favorite things about you is your fascination and your obsession with vintage makeup and your collection is truly one for the books i mean i feel like you need to have that in a trust somewhere like it needs to be preserved in a museum no, it's phenomenal now it's almost like yeah it's terrifying i've got so much some days I'm like, I'm not buying another thing. And then I'll be like, get an alert from somebody that something's come on the market. And I'll be like, oh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, it's been a, it's been 30 years though, nearly 30 years of collecting. So it's not like it's happened overnight. I'm curious, do you have any tips for those of us who may be interested in starting to collect these beautiful items? Um because it's not as simple as just, I mean, you said you get tips from people, obviously. And and I would imagine a lot of some of these items are available only via auction um, and things like that. So do you have any tips for somebody wanting to start their first beauty collection? Yeah, I think definitely when you're looking at um, makeup, you want something that had a, is a kind of hero product. So like you'll find, say you're looking in the 30s, you might find lots of lipsticks online, but you're looking for something in good condition. So in mint condition, ideally, but that's not quite hard sometimes, but the best possible condition. 
ideally an iconic brand or a brand that was known at that time as being something very representative or something that's got such amazing packaging that it could only have been made at that time. So it's a really iconic piece because otherwise like I'll see things or I'll get updates and it'll be things and I'll think mm, not good, not good enough condition wasn't really an iconic piece. And so no, or, or, or just something that you love as well. You know, if you see something, you're like, Oh my God, that packaging is gorgeous. It's in fairly good condition. I just love it. I can't explain why then that's something that you should get as well. Um, but yeah, looking for like known brands that were iconic, good packaging, and in a dream scenario, still in the box, unused. And then it's like, I want it. <laughs> I know this is like, you know, picking a child or something, but what's your favorite piece that you own? I've got a really funny pair of like 1930s, very early 1930s eyelashes that I have a soft spot for because it's not the most expensive thing that I own, but it looks like the most treasured thing ever. That's one thing, because whoever had them, they've kept them in the box. They are put back perfectly. They've obviously been worn like a hundred times. They've been cleaned, put back in the box. They look like they've been brushed and the glue is even still in the box. So they must have like used the glue up over a couple of years and then kept the glue. And the whole thing is just so, and the bo box is amazing, really 1930s. But I just like to, it's like a little imagining what that must have been like for particularly in the 1930s when real like regular people were only just starting to wear fake false eyelashes it was something from the movie so if you bought those they wouldn't have been too expensive and you would have thought that you were a movie star wearing those it must have some person just loved them so much and I just think that's such a, a lovely thing to imagine and it's such a moment in history that will you know never be repeated because we're all like no false eyelashes now and people wear them all the day every day but that would have been really um a first actually I love that you bring that up because I think we take makeup for granted sometimes um I know and you probably get this as well Lisa but sometimes people hear you know that we're in the beauty industry and they think it's frivolous they think it's obviously glamorous and fun they don't really think um of it being you know super serious and um you know for me I am a communicator I'm a journalist so I like to share and educate and um tell people stories and and I think that there's value in that what you do as an expert, makeup artist, um, a historian even, that's important as well. And I love that you just painted the picture of someone feeling like a movie star. Like that makeup was so new and so precious at that point that somebody wearing fake eyelashes instead of just being like, oh, I got to figure out how to put on these fake eyelashes, the glue, the, 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 the tweezers, whatever. They were so, so prideful to have them that they would brush them out that they would put them back perfectly that they were pristinely kept I just love I thank you for painting that picture because that makes me have way more appreciation for these fake eyelashes that I have on right now <laughs> yeah we don't know we're born now we have all of this pack easily packaged easy to apply makeup makeup was hard to apply it was you know I mean in the 20s obviously makeup became portable but before then it wasn't even that portable so we're lucky today that we have such um you know it, it's so available and so easy to use and not expensive as well your passion for makeup history and and really understanding 
where makeup came from, the trends uh, throughout the decades um, is obviously in your book, Face Paint. What are some other books that you think our listeners should pick up if they really want to learn more about uh, this history? Oh, there's so many really good ones. I think that um, there's a great book about um, the rivalry between um, Helena Rubinstein and Elizabeth Arden by Lindy Woodhead. And that's a really good read because it's it's a story of rivalry, but within that you get so much of a sense of what the industry was like right at the beginning because there weren't really any brands before the 20s. Like makeup brands, are, they're all over the place now, but it, it wasn't a thing really before um, the end of the First World War. That's when the first brands started to emerge. And I think when you read the book, you get such, it was such a big sea change really from women having to go to the pharmacist and have these things made, you know, in big pots and try to do a bit of makeup, but not show that they were wearing it, which is how it was at the turn of the century, to suddenly going into Woolworths and for a dime, you could buy a red lipstick and it was portable and it was great. And you could look like a movie star at the same time. So I think that shift is such a huge moment in makeup history that a book like that really is, is good at painting the picture. And, and all the rivalry stuff is really fun as well. So that's one of my favorites. Um, another one is by a friend of mine called Madeline Marsh. And um, she's a, a, a also a vintage makeup collector. And she just writes so beautifully about um, some of the pieces in her collection and, and um, she's made she mainly does 20th century so she's got some really nice 20th century pieces but yeah actually I just uh, my um, someone just brought me this to show that's war paint that's the Helena Rubinstein and Elizabeth Arden story yeah their lives their times their rivalry but it, it, it just paints a lovely picture of really how you know extraordinary those times were for the makeup industry and for women as well because there was so much to be said you know about women getting the vote and having money after the first world war and being able to use that money to put on lipstick which was really a statement of um you know they were really kind of not meant to be wearing makeup because nice women didn't wear makeup so it was uh, it was absolutely like a protest to put on red lipstick and i just think all of that time is super interesting me too me too i want to talk to you about product development obviously you have your own line one thing about the internet good or bad is that it's democratized makeup and it seems that everyone has become an expert which again there's two sides to that coin as well. What do you think the average consumer doesn't realize about creating different types of makeup? Yeah, definitely. People don't know how long it takes for a start. And also they don't know that everything that can go wrong does go wrong every time. That first thing that they don't understand. So the fact that you've got something out is a miracle, honestly, particularly if you wanna be innovative. Um, if you want to get your own formula and get something and find a compatible packaging and test it and get it out there, totally. that's a miracle that that even happens. So everything that can go wrong does go wrong. Um, and 
every type of makeup is a challenge. So if it's mascara, it's getting the right bulk, which is the black stuff, that's what we call it, with the right brush. Because if the brush isn't right for the bulk, the bulk might be brilliant. With the wrong brush, it's ruined. It's a bad mascara. With the right brush, it's an amazing mascara. So that takes time. Um, everything about like when I want to do my lipstick and I wanted to make it look like velvet on the outside, we had to abandon that because it wasn't working. And I had to give up my dream because every time we put it into the mold and then we cooled it down, we took it out the mold, 50% were all damaged. So in the end, I said, you know what? I tried and I failed. That's the end of that. And then I used to have some perfect ones here at my studio. And then people would come around and be like, oh my God, what's this, a piece of velvet? Or is it a lipstick? And I'd be like, oh, it's this thing that was a nightmare. But anyway, never, it didn't work, you know, like nothing ever works, but it didn't work. Um, and then they would be like, well, you have to try again. So, so yeah, it just takes, everything takes time. Occasionally you'll have a formula and it just, everything just clicks, but that's quite, you're quite lucky when that happens. I mean, it's particularly if you want to develop your own formulas, if you buy something off the shelf, it's different because it's already tested. It might already be on the market, so it's easier. But if you want to start from scratch, gosh, it's, um, it's, it's very stressful, actually. <laughs> I love that you brought up mascara. Mascara is my favorite makeup product. I am a mascara connoisseur, and I often find when brands launch, they don't launch with a mascara. We often talk a lot about this, um, you know, just the two of us, because I'm like, ah, oh, dang it, this brand didn't launch with a mascara. Is it because it's so hard to find the bulk with the, okay, with the brush, got it. Yeah, and also, you know, it's quite um, a saturated market, so if, you might want to innovate, which is obviously difficult. I mean, it's absolutely possible. And one of my absolute passions is cosmetic science. You know, I, I love it as much as I love probably makeup history. So I'm always interested in innovation and blue sky thinking. Um, but even if you don't want to innovate, you want it to be at least best in class or up there with the best in class. So you can't do one that's slightly not as good as something else that's out there. So if you think how many mascaras there are out there, so totally. you've got to, if you're someone who's a perfectionist or you want to do something really good, then it is going to take time to really get something great, you know, and, and, and get it through the testing and make sure everyone loves it and, you know, do something that is just great. So it takes a long time, it really does. Do you get asked a lot from either clients or you know your friends, family, if there's a specific reason why a certain makeup product doesn't exist yet? Like, is there like a common product that you're constantly being bombarded with and you're like, yeah, it doesn't exist because it's like impossible to make? Um, not so much people asking me, but I know that there are things that don't exist. Like, you know, there are certain like, a glossy, you know, that very glossy eye that everyone you loves, it will crease, yes. it will crease, you know, it, the very fact that you don't have volatiles in there means that it's not going to set in a way that something else might do, but that's something that may change in the future. So, I mean, there's lots and lots of things that I think are like holy grails for cosmetic scientists. And I'm always in contact with cosmetic scientist because I've been involved in product development now for such a long time with Shiseido and um, Longcom and Boots and all the other people that I've worked with some behind the scenes some I've actually acknowledged that I work for them but I've also done loads of products without ever 
people ever knowing that I was involved. Um, so yeah, so it's, there's always something that you're sort of striving for, um, you know, that is the Holy Grail. So it's, it, it's moved so fast though. In the last even 10 years, cosmetic sciences is taken off. I mean, it's, it's, it's such an exciting area of maker of the industry. I always say to want to be makeup artists that say to me, I want to be a makeup artist. And I'm like, really, are you good at science? Cause if you are be a cosmetic scientist, much more exciting, much more creative at the moment. And they're like, really? I'm like, yep. If you're good at science, get in there. <laughs> so the next couple of questions that I have for you, Lisa, are um, were sent from fans and listeners. How do you determine if makeup is quote unquote high quality or not? We know that our budgets vary and everyone should have access to good quality makeup. Mm. So what's your process, Lisa? Do you have a litmus test? Generally, it depends what the product is. So if it's something like an eyeshadow palette, which we obviously see so many of now, um, then if I'll try something and it's all dropping down under my eyes or it's, you know, it's, it, it's a bad press, as I call it, like a very dry press, then I'll think, well, that's not great. I mean, I do tend to look where things are made because I know every factory in the world, believe me, I've worked with them all. So I can always tell who's made it. <laughs> it's not very fun going shopping with me because people go, oh my God, that's amazing. And I'll be like, yes, packaging from blah, 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 formula from blah, blah, blah. Um, so I'm, I'm, not, I'm not very exciting to go shopping with. Um, but yeah, I think if something, you know, it blends well, um, the smell, I mean, I don't like things when they're really heavily perfumed. And I do look at inky lists, I can't help it. So I know which ingredients cost money and which don't. So if I look that something's just got loads of filler in really cheap, but I'll think, well, that's okay because it's a cheaply priced product. But then if I see something expensive and it's really just full of cheap filler, then I'll be like, mm, that's a bit cheeky. And if, if, if you just love something, you love the packaging and you think the product's really good, then even if I think it's not that good, I'm like, if you love it, go ahead. You know, it's fine. It's really down to the individual as well. Okay, so jumping off of that question, I'd be remiss not to ask, do you have a favorite drugstore makeup? Um, I like lots of drugstore makeup. So I will try different bits. I don't like one brand like for everything. So, I mean, I would like um, definitely some L'Oreal Paris. I would like some even wet and wild. I like um, in the UK, we have well, Rimmel, I love Bourgeois. Um, I use quite a lot actually of drugstore makeup. Maybelline's amazing. I mean, it's, they have such good gel eyeliner, such good lipsticks. Um, you know, they're, they're really kind of up there with the technology. So, I mean, they have such good formulas. I do a lot of drugstore brands. So it's not quite as, you know, in the old days, it was very like drugstore versus, but it's a little bit more closer together now. I hate saying mistakes, quote unquote, because makeup shouldn't be something that you're afraid of failing at. But is there something common you find that your clients or your audience struggles with when it comes to makeup? Yeah, I don't really think there's like massive mistakes, but I think people do struggle with complexion probably a lot because of like, people always ask me, what's my undertone? Shall I match my foundation to my neck? Shall I match which bit of my neck shall I match it to? And 
those conversations come up time and time again and they do come up a lot as well with um concealer and things because people get confused like where to put it and how much to put on and um whether it should be correcting or concealing and so i think that it tends to be that they mainly come up certainly people when they're dming me and things it will be usually about complexion stuff uh, i was gonna say people dming you i'm like lisa you do you even have time to respond to dms i don't think so I do. I'm, I'm always doing my my um, social media because even if I'm just like in a cab going somewhere, I'm always like replying to people and looking at comments and things because I learn a lot from my audience. I really do. You know, I hopefully I help them a lot, and I, you know, I've managed to pass on a lot of the things that I've learned and my knowledge. But I also do learn a lot from them. I, I, I always it's like research and. You know, people say, well, I tried that and it didn't work. And I'll be really interested to know why. Or, you know, they're like, oh, I've just bought this foundation and it's done this. And do you think that's, and I'll be like, mm, interesting. I'm going to try that and see if it happens to me. So, yeah, definitely. They're like my little, um, yeah, my research group on the ground. I was going to say, especially with the, the amount of content that you create and everything that you're making in terms of product development and, and contributing in that way, I think it really is like a little test group. I remember when I did this, I did the um, Miss Your Big mascara, and it was my one of my first products I did for um, Long Kong. And I kind of asked them, like, I asked on my um, Facebook page, like, if you could get your dream mascara, what would you do? And I started my like research from then. From then, I went into like L'Oreal Labs and and Longcom Labs, and I was like, okay, I've got all this information. And they were like, it wasn't usually the way to do it back then. And I was like, it's so good to listen to my audience; they know what they're talking about. And then mixing that with my expertise, and you know, we came up with I think a really great mascara. What is the best piece of beauty advice that you have ever been given? Maybe about kind of not trying to change yourself too much, like not get hung up on one particular thing, because I think what makeup does is you're able to conceal your blemishes and things that you don't like about yourself, whether it be just one day that you happen to be really dark under the eyes because you're tired or whether you did have like more spots than usual that day or something. Um, and then apart from that, I think, you know, in general, if you start looking around at other people, you can be like, Oh, well, my face is to this or my face is, you know, why are my eyes like hers or why are my eyebrows like hers? But I think that to me, there's so much beauty in every face and, I know it's really corny, but I do feel that, you know, I've just kind of gone with what I've got in terms of like the shape of my face. Like I know I've got a long, thin face. That's not going to change. So let's just get on with it, shall we? Um, and, you know, I like to like, I showed you like, don't paint my lips all the way to the corner because they can go down. So that's fine. So I think just work with what you have. And it's very hard in a time of social media not to get hung up on other people but no one can be as beautiful as you can when you're just being your true self and you can enhance yourself as much as you like and polish and embellish and bring out all your good things and that is that is the you know that is the most beautiful thing that you can ever be and i think that that's the best advice for anyone out there that was beautiful thank you lisa before we go i want to end with just a quick rapid fire what is your favorite lipstick shade to wear red velvet ribbon red is there one universally flattering shade of lipstick? No. Okay, Lisa said it. No, there's not. 
matte or dewy skin? Um, in the middle. I don't like really shiny, 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 shiny skin. And I don't like super matte. I like it like skin. And then I like to be able to add the shine where I want the shine to be or mattify where I want to mattify. I like to have a patchwork quilt of a face. What's your favorite makeup decade? Mm, probably 1870, um, the 1870s, possibly the 18, no, the 17, like the 1780s, the 1790s, the 1920s, and the 1930s. They're my four, sorry, they're my four decades. I'm gonna have you back just to cover each decade individually. <laughs> So we could just go through everything that happened in those decades. <laughs> and then finally, I'm looking at your beautiful studio with all of the magazine tear outs. What is on your 2021 vision board? Hopefully, <laughs> I definitely want to keep going with my brand. I've got some new launches coming out, which I'm very excited by. I am excited as well to um, be able to get out there and do makeup on my clients again that are coming I've got movies coming out and got projects coming out that I know next year that I'm really excited about as well. So I think it's a combination of, yeah, I'm working with my own products and working with my clients to create incredible looks. Amazing. Lisa, thank you for spending this hour with me uh, in December when it's crazy, the holiday bustle. We've really been wanting to get you on this podcast since we launched last year. So we are honored to have had you. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's been such a pleasure. And it's so lovely chatting to you, Kirby. I know. I hope at one point we can meet in real life when, when that type of thing is allowed. Yeah, I miss LA. I haven't been there for like over a year. And I love, love, love coming. So hopefully I'll come and see you next time. Yes, please. Um, where can everybody find you? So I'm on um, Instagram at Lisa Eldridge Makeup. And my YouTube channel is... Actually, Lisa Eldridge dot, I think it's com, but you just type in Lisa Eldridge. I'm on YouTube. You'll find her really easy. <laughs> Everyone, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Gloss Angeles. It's our last episode of the year. So go back and listen to our catalog. Learn something new during the holidays. Be sure to visit Lisa's YouTube channel and her Instagram. And you know, you know where to find us. It's at Los Angeles Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Join our Facebook group. We love our Glam Julinos. Y'all are so much fun in that group. Just search Los Angeles on Facebook. Join the group. And we will talk to you in 2021. 